Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. Shortly, I will be meeting with Tyler Jones. And before we do that, a couple of things. First of which is I have to apologize to Tyler because I botched the recording and the best part of this podcast no longer exists. I asked him what he thought of Nick Nurse coaching in the fourth quarter of the All-Star game. And Tyler went off. It was beautiful. Uh, And I can't say that I disagreed. You know, it was essentially 15 minutes of basketball, you know, longer than your average 12-minute quarter. And instead of playing Trey Young and just getting your 24 points and getting out of there, you know, even if you give up points, it's not that big a deal. He went with Kyle Lowry. Tyler was not happy with the decision to go with Kyle Lowry. And nor was he all that happy with the decision to roll with Joel Embiid for what was essentially 15 minutes of basketball. Uh, There were other options. Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler. And instead, Nick Nurse ran his five-man lineup into the ground until eventually they were caught by Team LeBron and defeated. Uh, So it was beautiful to hear Tyler uh, do all of that. But it no longer exists, so... I apologize. Anyways, uh, health updates. Uh, Before I get to Tyler, the Hawks had their first practice after the All-Star break. It's one of those weird deals where I think everybody reports and the report time is, you know, later than your average practice. So they have practice essentially at night. And tonight, Lloyd Pierce talked about the injury situation. It does not sound like Clint Capella or... Scalabissier will be playing anytime soon. Uh, in in Pierce's words, as you hear shortly, you know he kind of estimated it as being around two weeks for both. And he said at this point, Scal's actually doing a little bit more on the court than Clint is. Uh, Scal was there shooting three pointers at practice. He was doing a little bit more than I think what Capella was doing. Three pointers looked pretty good. Uh, hopefully, that's something we, we'll get to see. And uh, after that, I also asked Lloyd Pierce how he planned to incorporate Capella and and Scal. And, you know, I asked him if he'd given any thought to how they'll eventually fit in here. And he pretty much punted and said he's not really going to have them that long because of the injuries and because we're closer to the end of the season than you think. Uh, as, as always is the case, the All-Star game comes way after the midpoint of the season. There aren't that many games left. So if, you know, they miss seven or ten games, uh, then they're only really going to have 
at most another 17 games uh, to figure out what Capella and Scal can do. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to give you Lloyd Pierce, and then I'll hop back in with Tyler and talk about everything but Nick Nurse. Still no timetables or anything like that. Scal, I think, is a little bit has done more uh, vitamin-wise, workout-wise, and Trent both of us have done a little bit. Trent's on the floor, he's not running or anything, but he's progressing to the court and doing some movement. Scal's doing some more active movement, but not straight running or anything intense. Uh, I would guess still a couple weeks away. I don't know how long, but still a couple weeks. You said Dwayne is Dwayne. Uh, have you given it, you know that you've had them for a couple of weeks? I know they're not ready to go on the court yet, but have you given some thought as to how you'll in, incorporate Clinton Scal? You know, I, I haven't. I, I think you know we've got 27 games. My guess is Clint will be. What do we have? Three this week. Three, three. My guess is he's at least going to miss seven. Uh, you know, trying to figure out how and what. He's right. going to come back and he's going to be on a minute restriction. And try, like it, I don't even know if we'll have enough time to fully measure, you know, John and Clint Wainberg. I, I just don't. And, and so as soon as I get my hopes up on trying to – something happens. So I, I just – I hope he gets healthy. I, I, think, I think the beauty of it is we don't have to go into the summer and say, hmm, what will Clint bring us? We'll get a small sample size of what Clint brings us and what Scal brings us and what that may look like and then go into the summer and see how we can tweak and all of the stuff that we're doing with workouts, we'll be able to add to it as opposed to in the summer where you just you think you know and you have all these plans but you haven't seen any of it. I want to see, I do want to see what he looks like on the court with those other guys. We just won't get a tremendous sample size and I'm and I'm okay with that. I don't know if everyone else is, but I'm okay with that. He's going to be here for a while. How tough has it been just not being able to get the data on the team that you would have liked to have? You know, I mean, after 50-plus games, we've got a decent amount. Uh, you know, I think it's 267 possessions with our 4-5. or five. It's a 1.1 net rate, which is, which is really encouraging. Um, is it a great sample size? No. But it's enough to, to be encouraged by. You know, we've seen Jeff and Trey together offensively been a boost. Our offense has been great. It's not great. It's been better. It's been good. Um, you know, Brandon and Trey's number together haven't been as good. So there's been enough of information to look at and say, here's some combinations that are working. Here's some that we should really be encouraged by. And the biggest one is the five guys I mentioned. Uh, we have a 1.1 net rating with those five guys and 268%. So that's what we should be encouraged by. That's what I'm encouraged by. And the challenge is over 27 games. How do I get that to a thousand possessions or 800 possessions? I don't, I don't really know how to quantify it. I'm not that good. I don't know how to quantify it, but I would love to see it double in 27 games, and I would love to see what it looks like after 27 games. Uh, and then we'll get a. Will it tell me everything? No, but it, you feel good about it. You feel you know, some of the things I'm looking at just with that group is can DeAndre Hunter become a better rebounder? If that group is at the four, John's at the five, Cam Reddish, can he become a better rebounder? You know, I think Trey leaves all three of those guys, Kevin Cam and DeAndre Hunter, 
rebound. So if we're going to play that group any kind of minutes together, those three guys have to become better rebounders, which is a glaring issue for us. I'm encouraged just by that five-man rotation of guys, even though it's a somewhat of a challenge. Good? Yeah, thank you. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. Did you see the James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Stanconia cover? Uh, yeah, I saw it on on Twitter, but you know I don't have a an opinion on it. Uh, they're I don't know, they're fashion they're fashion guys, I guess. I don't know. They <laughs> whatever. If I'm a professional athlete, I I I would imagine I too would you know do covers half naked but I'm not so <laughs> but uh yeah uh you know I, I saw the tweet that I don't know who said it but they didn't have any Houston based rappers to do it off of but you know I, I feel like Outkast is it's Atlanta and you know Outkast is an Atlanta group but they're they're worldwide so like I, I don't have a yeah, problem that's fine. With, I don't have a problem with it uh, what did you think of the trade? I know we, like we said, we were poking around. Which trade? And, uh, Which trade? The Hawks made like eight billion uh, of them in the last two minutes of the deadline. Right. Let, let's start with Clint Capella. Uh, with the price there. Yeah, it's pretty good deal. They did, ultimately only gave up the a first round pick for a good basketball player. You know, a first round pick that's probably going to be. Around 15 or 16, uh, for a team that probably doesn't need more rookies on, you know, guys on rookie scale contracts anymore. It, you know, you get quality, you know, a very good big man. Uh, you know, he, he's had seasons where he's been really good. The last two haven't been as, as great, but, uh, you know, he's talented, uh, and he's going to fix the biggest weakness that the Hawks have, which is defensive rebounding and rim protection, which he offers plenty of. Um, and I don't know. I, I like from a value point of view, like I, I liked it. Like, you know, you, you didn't give up a player worth anything. And you got, you know, Capella, who's on a pretty good contract for the next three seasons. Uh, uh, I think three seasons after this one. So that's. That's, that's it, just it might value. be two. I, yeah, it might be two. I can't. I, I don't have, you know, a phone on me. But it's either it's either two or three. Regardless, it's still you know, it's a movable contract, and the Hawks could almost certainly get you know a an asset if they wanted to flip it later on if they so choose. But he's he's a good basketball player. Um, you know, he's not. It's funny. He might he he has the potential to be an elite uh, defensive big man, uh, but he he's kind of he's kind of on a tier below the elite like Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert. But he's really like he's he's a lot better than Andre Drummond is on defense, right. at least to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think he's just a better basketball player than Drummond. Um, right. Just just because you don't have to worry about his ego, you don't have to give him post ups, and right. he yeah. just. He just does his job. He rolls hard to the rim. Um, not a not a not a gifted passer, but he'll he'll make the right read. Uh, but 
passing is his forte. His forte is finishing plays off of cuts and rolls to the rim. He's also a great offensive rebounder, something that, you know, now the Hawks can have a real strength with him and John Collins playing together, just eating teams up on the glass. That, that should really – I think if you want to look at the biggest thing that's going to happen is that they're going to rebound. They're going to be one – they're gone from one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA now to probably being one of the best with Collins and Capella playing on the floor at the same time. It's weird that they that the I'm looking at it from the Rockets side. It just seems weird that out of all the seasons in which you do it, like this is the year that the Warriors are out. So you're going to be I don't know. It's just what do you think of what the Rockets are doing? I mean, it wasn't working with Westbrook and Capella, two non-shooters, right. and I think we've seen we've even seen that here in Atlanta where if Denver plays with anybody on the floor that can't shoot, that lineup just has no chance yeah. at all to do anything on, on offense. And like I, you saw a similar phenomenon where Westbrook and Capella just couldn't work because both guys simply couldn't shoot. And it's it's not it's not a coincidence that Westbrook is playing objectively great basketball now that Capella is no longer clogging up, you know, his his space. Um, and it just. It just like they made the tr- the trade to trade Chris Paul away for Westbrook meant that they had to go to a system that was everybody on the floor can make an open three pointer at all times. Right, uh, but but Westbrook it's not a center. Did, like they they didn't try to go get a center that can make a three. They just like well, we're not going to play a center. It's it's going to be PJ Tucker and whoever you know Tabo Cephalosha or you know maybe it'll be Demar Carroll. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's that they also probably wanted to cut money. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of factors over at, over at Houston. I would imagine a lot of it is owner-related because um, Capella's a good basketball player, and they, and they practically gave, gave him away, uh, in a sense, for, you know, right. Robert Covington, who's a fine basketball player, but I don't, I don't think he impacts the game as well as, in a in a pure vacuum, like I, I feel like Capella is a more impactful basketball player on both ends of the floor than uh, than Covington. But you know, the Rockets at the end of the day, the what they knew Westbrook and Capella wasn't going to work, and they don't have this long runway of title contention. Like their time is now, and yeah. it's probably like. Flipping Capella for Covington is probably the best they could do, given the circumstances. Um, me personally, I don't. You know, I, I think they're screwed if they play the Nuggets. Like if they if they run into the Nuggets in the playoffs, they just don't have a chance because uh, Jokic is going to roll through them for however many games it takes, uh, and like that's. It's going to be t- like it's they're just certain like they've kind of limited their options to like, all right, you know, the Lakers. Anthony Davis is going to be like they're, they're going to if they're going to do a switch switching scheme, Anthony Davis, they're going to the Lakers in the playoffs, they're going to play Davis at center and he's just going to eat them up uh, when the games matter most and you have to switch these pick and rolls. Um, like it's gonna be Davis on the block, and he's just gonna he's just gonna like eat him up, and there's nothing 
you know, they don't have a counter. Like that's that's the thing with this Capella. It just took it took an option off the table. They have to like this lineup has to work, and it it can work. I think it can work against the, like for example, I think against the Clippers, I think it'd do pretty well um, because Harold isn't that big. So they don't have to like they're not going to get out physical by you know Montrez Harrell, uh, but you know I think there there are certain matchups where the Rockets kind of just limited themselves to to a situation where you know they have to play perfect basketball on offense because they're, they're just not going to be able to, to stop uh, you know the other team from getting layups uh, you know from good post players. Yeah. Uh, back to the Hawks. Uh, what did you think of the trade for for Scal and Deadman? Uh, Sending out Alex Len, Jabari Parker, and also taking back a couple of second round picks. Yeah, I mean, all of them was you know relatively decent value. The one is Deadman. Uh, it's pretty clear if Deadman is playing like he has, if Deadman played the way that he played in Atlanta, uh, it's a good trade. If he doesn't, that's a lot of money next year. Right. For a guy who has been, I mean, honestly, he's been pretty bad um, for the majority of this season. His non-Hawks stint excluded, um, you know, us Hawks fans know Deadman's a, a good basketball player, but for the Kings, he was terrible. Right. And, you know. He, he's been he, good for he, a few games now, too, as as a Hawk again. Like, the first few games, he was doing yeah. stuff. Yeah, and and he has to do that, you know, for the majority of next season for this you know, trade to be of actual, you know, of real value because, uh, like, if Devin's not hitting threes, he's not worth that contract. I think it's kind of cut and dry with him. Uh, it's his his jumpers look good uh, since being in Atlanta. I feel feel like he's pretty fairly comfortable in his role uh, playing alongside Trey Young and uh, John Collins. So hopefully he continues this. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, as a trade overall, like it's, you know, it's a, it's a flyer, but it's, it's a relatively expensive fly considering you just trade it for Capella. Um, but, uh, you know, Devin makes a really good backup to Capella once, once, uh, Capella's healthy. Uh, and then the scout trade, you know, this, it, it was for free and, He's a talented basketball player. He's been solid this season. Uh, he's shown market improvement in Portland compared to where he was in Sacramento and where he was in Kentucky. So it's a good flyer. He's young. Uh, he's probably what Schlenk was looking for in Amari Spellman. The shot uh, hasn't – he has a good-looking jumper, but, you know, the results aren't there. But right. the I mean, he's been very there. good from, from like – long twos he just he hasn't made threes yet yeah and so you know if he makes threes then he becomes you know a bit even more interesting uh going forward but you know he's been he's been pretty he, he was pretty solid you know to you know solid fourth fourth big man for the you know trailblazer and he was he was you know blazers with all the injuries they had he, he was pretty useful before he eventually got hurt so you know we're I, I'd I'd wager we made like based on what what they were saying what, when they traded for him he might not play this season but he 
probably somebody they're they're interested in keeping for next year. Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I'm going to put the audio before this, but Pierce was saying today that he thinks Scal's probably ahead of Capella in terms of like how close he is to returning, or at least his activity level now. Like he was doing more practice today than than Capella was. They had him shooting threes and. Like, if you just watch him shoot, I think he's ahead of, like, someone like Damian Jones. He's already way beyond that, I think. But well, yeah, Scott was, shoot, Scott was shooting threes in high school. Uh, yeah. that's, as a prospect, that's nothing new. They just haven't yeah. – they've never gone in, in a basketball game. That matters. <laughs> right. So, but, you know, his defense has been much improved. And um, with his projectable jumper, we'll put it like that, uh, you know, he fits with the Hawks are looking for and uh and their bigs to be multifaceted uh though deadman isn't or i mean i'm sorry cabela is not no, though i imagine not. they will almost certainly try to have him shoot at least corner threes and see if it'll work or not but i you know right. i don't i don't think it would yeah and to clarify from before he does have three years left and just the whole deadman thing is kind of weird does it seem like they're almost conceding that they made a mistake or something. It just like they could have given him that contract. And then, I mean, and I, I guess you say, well, we get these two extra second round picks, but I mean, second round picks are second round picks. It's just put, I mean, I wouldn't, zero I wouldn't have, in them. I, I wouldn't have given him that contract. Even, even right. with the yeah. added, you know, even, even with his production in Atlanta, that was a lot of money for him. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're paying somebody like Capella makes around that that money on a per year basis, right? Capella's like around 14, well, 15. No, Capella's 18, 19, 20 for the next three years. Oh, for real? Oh, well. Yeah. And then Deadman's like 13, but at the same time, with the Deadman being 13, it's, it's, it's 13, but it's really six more than what you were going to pay Jabari. If he opted in, yeah, that's that's the rationale. That's the rationale. Like, no, no disrespect to Schlank, but that's not. I, I I understand what he's saying. Like, you know, logically that makes a certain amount of sense. But you know, in a vacuum, you are paying your backup big man thirteen million dollars, uh, and that's that's a lot of money. Uh, for yeah. a backup in a league where you know you could get quality backups for the minimum, uh, so that's uh, like you know that's that's a lot of money that the Hawks are allocating towards towards their center position, and you know we can excuse it by saying well the Hawks aren't paying guys, you know this free agent class blah blah blah, but I mean you're committing over 25 plus million dollars into the center position uh and you know yeah there's only like it's a it's like it's a position where you could see games where deadman might deadman might not play or there there might be games where capella doesn't finish just because i mean that's okay shoot or make free throws and that's fine like that's because like deadman deadman's like a 55 game a year guy anyways like he's never been the iron man he's not gonna play 80 games like I think you, when you have Deadman, you're thinking, okay, if he plays 63 games, we probably got a pretty good year out of him. Yeah, the, de- the like I said before, like now, you know, 
the Hawks have uh, great depth at the big man position. The counter is that you can have great depth at the big man position without spending so much money on it. Right. You know, right. where exactly. the Hawks have real positions of need. Um, though, you know, center, Wait, center is, is the, such what's a the position of need? Is it, wasn't it center? I mean, yeah, but the wings are also like objectionably on the season. They've all okay. been bad. Well, sure, so, but you need those minutes. Like, you're not going to get somebody to play. I mean, I don't know. But I mean, you do can you get want a wing. I personally at this do. point. I'm not like well, how, how many. How many more wings do you like? I I guess you want. I guess part of this goes back. Actually, that's a good question because you know it leads to this. Like DeAndre Hunter, you think he's just a four? Is, is that fair? Yeah, he can't dribble or pass, so I, you know, that's true. Okay, like in offense, he can't. He's limited on offense, and then on defense, he's just he can't get over a screen. So, you know, it's. If you're a wing and you can't get over a screen, like unless you're just a dynamite offensive player, I, I'm like you're you're big, like you're just you're big in this league. And so, you know, to me, I think with his limitations on offense and defense, I think his best position is at the four in the NBA, right. um, primarily because, uh, like. You know, you, you you just see it. You see it against teams that set screens against him. And he just gets caught up on them. He can't get around them. Like the difference between him and Cam Reddish navigating through screens, or you know, even Kevin Herter, like navigating through a screen is, you know, it's pretty clear that he's just not, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have the the necessary necessary quickness and athleticism to get by screens. And if he can't do that playing the wing position, you know, it, it might be better for you just to be at the four. So that, you know, that, I think that's my overall rationale with Hunter. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel like he, he, he plays his best basketball, basketball uh, when he's at the four going up against slower guys on offense and, you know, guys who rely more on strength than quickness on defense. Um, but he, you know, but but yeah, but to my to my point, like, do I want the Hawks to? Like, here's the thing: the Hawks are one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they are. It starts with one: they didn't have, you know, for 25 games, they functionally didn't have a big man who was good on either both ends of the floor at the same time. Um, until Collins came back, Alex Lynn got hurt, and they, that also meant that they functionally didn't have a single big who could protect the rim and grab a defensive rebound until they traded for Dwayne Dedman. So that kind of killed any chance they had on defense. But another portion of that is that, you know, didn't have any really good wing defenders either until Cam Reddish kind of stepped up. Uh, right sometime between in December and January where he's really shown. But before then, you know, Herter wasn't really particularly good. Trey Young was terrible. Uh, and DeAndre Hunter was pretty bad as well. Like, they, 
you know, the defense, it was a lot of bad. Um, <laughs> and then on offense, too, like on offense, too, you see it like they, it's, it's just a lot of the perimeter guys can't take advantage of the, of the opportunities that Trey Young, somebody of Trey Young's ability gives them. Uh, who bends the defense in such a way that you have an advantage when you catch the ball, but they 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 just don't have, you know, Herder Herder Herder's decent at it, but like even him, like Herder can't get to the rim, right? And that's a big weakness in his game. Uh, DeAndre Hunter can't dribble, and right. so what what happens is that the games in which Herder and Hunter aren't making the open three pointers. It becomes a it, it it really bogs down the offense for the Hawks and like they need they need these guys like they one they need Herder to get to the free throw line more he's been a lot better at it and he probably will continue to be better at it the the older and stronger he gets um, but like they they really need for Herder to be a more consistent um, offensive player which which he, he was doing. Um, he had like John. one, yeah. Well, he had like one bad game before the break, but then like the eight before that, he was he was really consistent. I thought like the most consistent yeah. he's been his whole career. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it helps that you know John Collins got got into the swing of things and it started sure. to just eat teams up, and that's that's helped Herder out more. But ideally, you want, I mean, you just want somebody to. You, you want somebody to get down like when when Trey dishes you the ball and the guy uh, and, and your defender is overplaying you for the for the shot. You want somebody who's able to take advantage and get to the rim right. and either finish or make the right pass. And that's something that's what I've been really excited about with Cam Reddish um, since you know he's he's cleaned up his mechanics on his jump shot. That's that's something he has been doing like. For all of Reddish's faults, he does have he does have the quick first step, and he does have the handle to be able to get to the rim with relative consistency. Right. Um, and he's you know he's strung together some quality games. Um, yeah. He just... You know s- since January. So that that's something to keep an eye on with him because he's been like to me he's been pretty impressive. Uh, you know his defense. I mean his defense has been incredible. Yeah. Uh, just just you know, how smart he is. Not, not, not just his, you know, his, his talent uh, at staying in front of his man and contesting shots without fouling, but also just his, his basketball IQ on that side of the floor. And then on, you know, on offense, I just, you know, I, I love his decision-making now. Uh, it, it's like better, he's, he's not, but it's not, it, it's gone from bad to fine. He's still got to figure out that balance between okay, this this should be a floater, this should be go all the way to the rim, this should be you know make it look like you're going all the way to the rim, but really there's that guy over there in the corner who's open. Like he's, he's got to figure out those three and how to balance them. That's fair, but he he he's I mean, he's he much might, better than he, he was. I mean that's fair, but he might be the best at the tertiary pass where it's not for the assist, but he makes the right like he, he gets the ball out of his hands quicker. Like he's not like he already knows where he wants to go with the ball in his hands. You know he's he makes a lot of quick quick decisions um, with his with his passing that leads to you know 
quality looks for guys. He's he's gotten Trey Young open uh, corner threes a couple times, right. just you know, making quick quick decisions. Not not that Herder doesn't. Herder is also good at that, but I think you know, it's it's a noticeable different difference between you know Reddish and Hunter when they have the ball in their hands and they're asked to make a play. Um, I, I just find that Reddish decision making is a lot better than DeAndre Hunter's, um, especially especially since he's kind of cut a lot of the fat out of his game. He's kind of start restarted. Like I feel like he's kind of started himself back to zero, and he's just he's more fundamentally sound of what he's doing with on, on the floor, and that's really that's really uh, you know has have has me hopeful for him in the future. You know what I want this summer. Go ahead. What do you want? Normally, they they talk about, you know, take like Jason Tatum, for example. It's like Jason Tatum is going to go work out with such and such a trainer over the summer. And Normally, when you hear that kind of thing, it's almost like a little bit cringy. And they come back and they have this marvelous handle and they want to take a, you know, you know, God bless Kobe Bryant, but... There are people who try to take shots like Kobe Bryant who shouldn't take them. And a lot of the guys who go to those camps come back and think they can handle that kind of load and take that kind of shot. And it's like, oh, God, that's a disaster. But I, I want that for DeAndre Hunter this summer. I, wa- I want him to go, to go to the personal trainers, you know, take crazy shots. But at the same time, you know, just develop that handle. Just it has to be more than what it is right now. Like, and I know he's older, so it's probably harder to learn it when you're 23 than when you're 20. But I still want that for him this summer. I just I think he can get so much better in that area. I don't think it's a done deal for him. Uh, and normally, you know, if you if you told me that a hawk was going to be doing that kind of thing this summer, I'd come back with a wary eye in the fall, watching to see if there was fat in their game that they developed. But I, I don't care. Add the fat. I just wanted to be able to dribble better. Uh, I'm actually going to disagree. I don't think he needs to quicken his release uh, and become a better three point shooter. I I don't I don't think the handle will ever be there. Uh, he he's just got too much. It's not just the handle. So like it, it doesn't have to it's, just it's be his the lack, handle. It's his lack of a, it's a, it's his lack of a quick first step. That's really a killer. Um, that that's what really hurts him. Uh, even even when he's going right, like it's too easy to it's too easy to stay in front of him. What do you mean, even when uh, he's going right? That's the only thing he does is go right. Well, that's, I mean, that's the problem is that he can't know. He cannot. He he doesn't go left hardly ever, and when he does, he loses the ball. He he exactly. has to get. He, left, he doesn't he have to left, do a whole lot. He just has to do a ball. basic drive to his left. So that he can't be shaded one way, he he has to have a two sided game. It doesn't you have to be anything crazy. You don't have to have a two sided game. There, are, like I don't. I mean, you I, can like, have somebody like Monte Ellis who was completely one sided, but that's. I mean, you just said it. Like he doesn't have that first step. He has enough of a first step, but there's just he, no. He, he doesn't have it when there's no seven, mystery. He, he absolutely does not have enough of a first step. That that is. That is just not true. He cannot get by anybody, regardless. Because they know where he's it. going. There's no mystery. 
if you if you could mix in some confusion if they have to worry about gee he can go this way if I overplay it he might come back counter Kevin, no he can't Kevin Herter Kevin Herter doesn't have a great first step either um so I I understand your point um that but Kevin Herter gets by because he can go with either hand yes and DeAndre Hunter can't he cannot but he's not he's not going to develop like it, it's just not going to happen for him because he's I mean, he's slow, he has a slower first step than Herder, and Herder's, Herder's is also pretty bad. And like he's, you know, he's a big guy. Like I don't, I don't foresee. He is a big guy, but like he's also playing like his 60th game. Like he had more of a first step back in October than he does now. Like it'll be fine. I mean, but here's the thing: it's not just the first step; it's his overall athleticism. He can't finish at the rim either. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that Hunter can't do that right now the only thing he, he excels that he's decent at is that spot of shooting right. and so to me i'm like just you know keep working at your strengths because you know him him doing pick and rolls should stop uh because he's bad at it because it's it's not just his handle it's his inability to make the it's his inability to make the pass you know, there are multiple times where, you know, he catches the ball and he holds it a, a second too long because he's like, he's just not, he's not. And it, to me, he's, I don't think he has the intuitiveness um, that you need from, from uh, your wings. Like he, he just doesn't have it. Like there's just too many holes in his game. And like, I understand like, yeah, you know, work on your handle, which he, he will almost certainly do. But I, I, to me, like, he just needs to work on his his shot release and his, you know, quickening that up and being more consistent three-point shooter because, like, if he wants to be a, a good player in his league, I think that's where he's going to go. I, I just don't see the handle ever developing in such a way that you want him with the ball in his hands over somebody like Kevin Herter. And so I... I don't know. Like it's. I mean, he's. Ne- you're never gonna want him to have the ball versus Herder, but there are times where that you know the ball gets forced to you, and he just he has to be better at it, and he he can be like, he, you have to shoot for the moon, and then you know just he'll get better at the basics by try. You know, I think there's a certain level of ambition that you want him to get better at it, and you don't really want him to be super ambitious with you know how much he does with his dribble, but. If he has some of that freedom, just in his, you know, it's he's still and only will be in his second season next year. You know, if he, somebody, even like somebody like Torian Prince, like, you know, in his second, was his second year or his third year? It was his second year where they really just kind of let him do some, it was a disastrous. And, you know, March 2018 was like the darkest time to be a Hawks fan. They ran a ton of offense through Torian, which, you know, it was good for Torian. It wasn't great for the Hawks, and it wasn't something that you wanted to do years over time. But the fact that he did that for those two months made him a better player. Um, yeah, but Torian had a had a great first step, and Torian also doesn't have a left hand. You don't notice it because he has a great first step and he has a quick release, and that's something Hunter. If he wants, if he wants to have any chance, he has to quicken his release. Yeah, and then. And then that'll maybe open up his dribble drive game going to his right. He'll never get the left hand. Like, never. That's not happening. And, and mm. I, I don't think the NBA, like, 
it's too late. Like, it's just too late. Like, it, this, you know, mm-hmm. this is why you don't draft old guys because they have, when they come in the league, they're rookies and they have so much they have to work on. Uh, and, like, to me, he just functionally doesn't have the, the foot speed or the athleticism to get by wing the way that Cam Reddish does. Like, Cam Reddish, I mean, you see it. Like, even if he's not finishing, he gets by his man. He gets by him. And, like, that's, to me, if you fundamentally can't get by a bad defender, I, I don't like that. Like, I, I'm just like, okay, well, you got to work on what you're good at and perfect it. Like, get better at get Become an even better shooter. Become a legit become one of the best shooters in the NBA, then, then, you know, we can have a discussion that if you can, then now you can get away with playing him at the three. If he, if right. he's such a shooter that you can't leave him and he has a quicker release. Uh, but you know, he, he's, he's got to speed up his game. Just overall Hunter has to speed up his game or he has to play with more physicality on offense. Um, you know, he's gotta, he's gotta develop his handle in such a way where he can, you know, get into guys' chest and move them so he can get through his spot uh, better. But, you know, if he doesn't want to, you know, work on his, you know, foot speed and wants to play at this level of pace, like he's got to be stronger than what, with the ball in his hands than what he is now. Fair. Did we leave anything out? Oh, no, I don't think so. You know, uh, I don't think we talked about John Collins at all, but uh, you know he's been Is pretty great. Is it John Collins news or just he's, he's no, no, good. no. He, he's he's been. I mean, he's been great. Like I don't know if he's missed a shot in a month, um, but I guess it's expected of him. So just wanted to point that out. You know, averaging twenty and ten uh, again this season, and people think. He's only going to get $20 million from the Hawks. I, I don't understand that logic, but you know, that's, <laughs> I guess that's a pod for another day. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Well, great. Uh, uh, maybe one last thing here. I think there's 27 games left. How many of the Hawks going to win? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they split it 12, 13, give or take. Uh, you know, they got to – it feels like it feels like the Hawks have a run in them to string out some wins, but it's always something goes wrong. Like somebody gets hurt, uh, right. and that's the problem. Like this team just – I mean, even now they're not deep because no. – Capella. Capella, Capella and Scal are, are both injured, and yep. – if one of the if one of Cam Reddish or Cameron Herter is hurt, like they they functionally don't have a wing who can dribble, pass, and shoot outside of those two. Right, and so, then all of a sudden it's Jeff Teague trying to do it. Yeah, and you know maybe maybe we'll see more more Goodwin. I'd like to see Goodwin play the two um, a bit more. Uh, Being Pierce so again. He, with the audio that's going to be airing before this, I think it's in the clip that I used, but he said something, you know, he was just citing the numbers today and he's like, 
you know, Trey and Jeff has kind of worked at least offensively and Trey and Brandon hasn't. Oh, oh, I, I mean, I'd, I'd still yeah. try it. I, yeah. You know, I like, I like what Brandon does off the ball. Um, he's pretty good at getting himself open from three. It, it doesn't go down as much, as much as you want, but. Yeah. And he kind of has to, he kind of has to take like 27 footers just to get it off because he's not that big. You know, he, he, I mean, he, doesn't, takes he doesn't have. He doesn't do that. You know, I mean, he's that's what he's he quick does. enough to get himself open. Who? Goodwin. Goodwin. Yeah, I bet if you look at his shot distance on his threes, it's he probably averages being a, a couple of feet behind the line. Like he, mm, he, he's not a toes on the line shooter. We'll see. Uh, we'll up. see. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Guess you'll tweet me if if you're right or not. But I, I don't know. I think he. I think he. I'm talking about him spotting up, not not his. Yeah, I am too. I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll pay more. It's something worth paying attention to. We'll we'll keep track of it. I I think we've delved fir- firmly into the uh, arcane stuff. It's time to probably wrap it up. All right. Thank you, sir. Do this again soon. Uh yeah, no problem, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks.